So this is going to be part two of Kingdom Community. Serge started us last week with kind of the intro of what Kingdom is. And uh, one of the things that he actually talked about is what is community? Community means to, is an intimate exchange. Unity is joined together as one. So that is where we're starting is joined together as one. There's tons of scripture about that we are united in Christ. You know that there needs to be unity in the body of Christ. That's a common, common cry right now. Man, we just need unity. If we get together, we'll be able to take over the world. And if we really look at that, what a lot of people say when they're saying we need unity in the body of Christ, they're really saying we need uniformity. Because unity looks like this. I'm going to have all the youth come up here. So would everybody agree if I said these are all kids, right? These are all teenagers. But if you look at them, though they're a unity as being teenagers, are they uniform? No. Is one better than the other? No. They're all created unique. They're all created unique. That is unity. So this is the youth group. We have 12 to 17. They're all in unity for the movement of the youth. But they're not uniform. Judah's being the youngest is taller than two of them. But it doesn't matter height, whatever. There still can be unity no matter the height, the gender, the color of hair, all that type of stuff, or age. There still can be unity, but there's definitely not going to be, could you ever make these six uniform? But a lot of people, when they say, we need unity by Christ, they want uniformity. They want everybody to look the same, talk the same, perform the same, and think identical. These six do not think identical. Does that make any of them worse than the other? Uh, if you ask them, you might, you might have difference in your opinion. But scripturally, is any of them different? Then as we come over here, these still are all kids. None of these are considered adults by legal age. It doesn't matter if you're Silas's age. It doesn't matter. These are all kids. They all look different. But they'll never be uniform. And as we look in this room, we will never look uniform. We can put on the same uniforms... We can do everything that the world says we need to do to conform. You guys can sit down. To conform, to look unified, but that is not unity. Every person that was up here has a divine purpose and call in the body of Christ. Every single one of them. But they're all going to achieve it differently. They're all going to do it just a little bit different. We could ask them to do the same thing. If I said, everybody in here, write this sentence. I love Jesus. Some will write, use handwriting. Some will use cursive. Some might do calligraphy. Some might ask for three markers because they want to change every color. But you all wrote the same thing. Though we would all be writing a unified message, it wouldn't be uniform. But you know what the magic in that is? It achieves greatness when we have diversity in the body of Christ. I think I'm pretty amazing. God does too. But if there was a hundred of me, I would get pretty annoyed. And I say this kind of jokingly. One of my kids is really like me. And he's the one that can get under my skin the quickest. Because 
He thinks, talks like me. He's the closest to the uniform one. And he's the one I can sometimes annoy the most because I know what triggers him because they're the same thing that triggers me. But even in as close as we are with it, he still is not me. None of our kids will be me. And God doesn't want us to be a copy. He made everyone. God does not duplicate. He always creates. Guys, God does not duplicate. He creates. And the business world, when you look at leadership, it's a top-down leadership. You have your top, and what happens? They want, if they're, if they're the CEO, they want all the managers to do the same thing. They feel that's the best way to be productive. So they expect every manager to be the same. If it's a franchise, if I go to this store, I want the manager to do the exact same thing. They want uniformity. The world wants uniformity. They want everybody to line up, don't they? Do what's told. Don't think for yourself. And that model has slid into the church. What the body, what the word says is we need to be, have unity, not uniformity. And so top-down leadership actually requires or demands uniformity. But the Holy Spirit wants unity. And we got to understand, there's a big difference in unity compared to uniformity. So, Serge kind of stole one of my big examples last week about unity versus uniformity. If you think of an orchestra, there's many different instruments that produce different sounds that makes the orchestra sound amazing. Because if all the people played the same instrument, it would actually be very mellow. If all we had was up here was guitar players, you wouldn't have Tessa and Lena singing. You wouldn't have the Josiah in the beatbox. You wouldn't have me in the back singing. Everybody's on guitar. So what happens? You have uniformity. Everybody's playing the same instrument. But would that give us the greatest sound? The greatest sound comes from everybody playing their part. And that's the same thing with the orchestra. When they all play together and play with the same purpose, focus, and goal, they make a great sound. The sound is better than any one instrument our player could produce by itself. And what happens with an orchestra? What happens? If you take away the conductor, they don't sound as good because the conductor is telling this one to play, how to play, and he's guiding the thing. Who's our conductor? The Holy Ghost. But we have an orchestra called life. And we have the greatest composer and conductor, the Holy Ghost. And so Serge did it last week, so I'm not going to duplicate it. But he had just one person start and then had each person. I think he had five people ended up joining in by then. And everybody played their part. There wasn't a set song list, but there was one composer, the Holy Ghost. And each person sung differently, played differently. And it was a beautiful moment that we had. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I was a football player, if you can't tell by him. My build, I did not play soccer and all the sports that you run. I was a football player. But in football, there's many different positions. I happen to be a lineman. If we were all linemen on the football team, would anybody ever score? No. If we were all quarterbacks, would there be anybody to catch the ball? If we were all running backs, would you ever have anybody to hike the ball, to hand off the ball? What happens? In a football team, what is there? 
There's the coaches that are integral. There's people in the press box. And there's 11 players on the field. And not only that, there's 11 players on offense, defense, punt team, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return, field goal, and then uh, onside kick. They're all different teams with 11 people. Without unity in that team, they would never be successful. But if they were, if they were all kickers, you would not be successful. So once again, unity versus uniformity. A football team has the same purpose and focus. That's unity. Uniformity would say they all have to be a quarterback. They all have to be a kicker. What position you play in soccer? I know nothing about soccer. Right wing. Everybody has to be a right wing. How would soccer play if everybody was a right wing? So that's what we're looking at. With sports, with anything, we all have a part. So unity for the orchestra or the team is what leads to success. Uniformity for an orchestra leads to a singular sound without depth created by the other instruments. Uniformity for any team leads to a losing team the same as in church. Unity brings life, peace, and beauty. Uniformity brings death and boredom. And uniformity, man, it's all about, it takes the creativity out. Do your words bring life? Do your words create? Or are your words critical? Me and Serge did a podcast on that four, three, four months ago. But man, uniformity is all about cutting off anybody that looks different. Let's all walk the same, do the same, and that's not success. But it's the unity that the Holy Spirit that brings life, peace, and beauty. And let's just go back to the founding apostles. Did they require unity? So if we go back into Acts to the Jerusalem Council, what happened? The whole Jerusalem Council was about the Gentiles are now being accepted into the body of Christ. What is required for the Gentiles to become part of the church of Jesus Christ, to become part of the body of Christ? And guess what did they come up with? They did not have to follow all the Jewish traditions. They were given a short list of things that they must do this, this, and this. And that was all that was required of them. They did not have to conform to Jewish tradition to become a born-again believer. So even the apostles, the founding apostles of the church, did they require uniformity? Absolutely not. What they did require was unity that came from the Holy Spirit. So this is... Um, from an article I read talking about unity, not uniformity. Uniformity is a state of being uniform, holding the same views, beliefs, standards, etc. With uniformity, there is no allowances for differences. If an HOA, Homeowners Association, calls for uniformity, then every house must have the same basic color, design, landscape, etc. No deviations are tolerated. Uniformity looks impressive. And it is easier to manage, but it does not create unity. Instead of tolerating differences, uniformity seeks to eliminate differences and creates an environment of sameness. So, for the people that have been here, Serge has taught, and I've taught, Cassie's prayed us in, Reggie's prayed us in, we've had different... There is a uniqueness to every one of our voices, isn't there? Is that a bad thing? Some of you will like me better, some will like Serge better, some will like Christy better, some will like Tessa better, some will like Lana better. It's all right. We all have our preferences. And my preferences is not something I force upon people. 
Because my preferences aren't the word of God. We've got to understand that. So, and another quote I'm going to share is from John Maxwell. Uniformity is not the key to successful teamwork. The glue that holds a team together is unity of purpose. So, as believers, what would be our unity of purpose? It's simple. It's Jesus. You know? And as the hub, we went over two weeks ago, ours is truly about manifest heaven on earth. That's one of our key things, is advancing the kingdom is big for us. Because in that, there is salvation. Some churches, it's all about salvation. Are they wrong? Nope. I, I, we went to a church for almost nine years. It was all about salvation, salvation, salvation. Never heard much about the kingdom. But what? Were they wrong in that? They weren't. That's what God gave them. They were perfectly fine. There's churches in Tulsa that have unique missions that are reaching out in specific ways. And if they're doing what God says, let's celebrate that they're different. That's all right. They're reaching people a different way. And we all have a part to play in that. So I'm going to go over some scriptures about just unity. So Romans 12, 4 through 5. So just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We have many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So my body, I have two hands, two feet, legs, all the time. If I had all right feet, and I didn't have any hands, I had all right feet, I would look kind of goofy, wouldn't I? Would I be able to walk? But what? As our bodies, each part has a special function. And if you want to come up to me and talk about this, I spent 15 years as a chiropractor so I can get into the nitty-gritty of what the body is and all that type of stuff. But each part is special. So, so it is with Christ's body. If I can't take my foot and put it on my hand and function normally, how can we as the body of Christ not be where we're supposed to be? How can we not as the body of Christ celebrate if somebody's a hand celebrate their hand if they're reaching people in a specific way celebrate that me and Serge got to meet a guy he's looking to do a homeless outreach and he basically has a block downtown that he's building out that's not something God showed me to do but guess what it needs done for the kingdom and I celebrated. I was excited. I actually started crying when he was talking about his vision. Because it advances the kingdom of God. And if I can't be moved by his vision to see what God's doing downtown, I'm not part of the kingdom. I'm not actually excited for what God's doing in other people. What's the word say? If somebody's happy, be happy with them. If somebody's in sorrow, be sorry. It calls us to walk with people. And that's just the great part of it is... Man, we celebrate. It doesn't matter. If they're advancing the message of Jesus Christ, they're advancing the kingdom of God, let's celebrate them. So Romans 12, 16 through 18. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. 
Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Man, this is something me and Cassie and Serge and Christy have talked about. The more we walk this out, the more you're like, man, God, I need you every moment. The more I think I know and understand God, the more I go, man, I know so little. But a lot of people think, well, I'm in the fivefold. I have to know everything. I have to have an answer for everything. No, but I know the one that does, the Holy Ghost. And you know, sometimes if I don't know the answer, he might send me to Reggie and say, hey, you've been walking with the Lord for a while. What about this? And he might be the answer and I share it with somebody else. And I don't have to know everything, but I have to know the one that knows everything. And you have to be good with it because I used to be the person when I ran my chiropractic office, I would not just say, let me get back to you. I always wanted to have an answer. And what is that? That's not humility. That's pride. That's straight up pride when I have to know it all. And so that's something as we walk through this, enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think that you have to know it all. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you as honorable. So the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit. You know, I didn't get a whole different Holy Spirit than you guys. We all have the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same Spirit of God living and dwelling inside of us. So, when that's the truth, when God tells you to do something, it's the Holy Spirit in, inside of you telling you what to do. And so, unless it's unscriptural, I'm going to be for you. And it doesn't matter. We have some friends. In the natural, man, their walk of faith stretched me to where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'd do that. But what has happened? They walked in faith and God provided. In my natural mind, I was like, man, you all are crazy. You guys are walking through stuff. And it actually stretched my faith. Watching them do it stretched my faith. But you know what they were doing? It wasn't unscriptural, so I, I wasn't against it, was I? I didn't understand it because, you know what? I wasn't in the intimate place with the Lord when he told them what to do. So what did I have to do? I checked it with the Word. I checked it with the Spirit in me. And I supported and prayed and loved on them. And God has moved and moved and moved. And it's been a beautiful thing. So Galatians 3, 26-28. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what's that say? If I said I'm looking at the natural body, Unity by this definition 
says there's no male or female. But if I look at you guys, there's male and female in here, right? There's only two options, just to clarify, two <laughs> options. I know rock. So what is unity? Because it says there's no longer this. We, we are all one in Christ. It's talking about uniform unity, not uniformity. Because uniformity would say, well, it says there's no longer male or female. We all are now one, one sex. There, there's only one sex. That's not true, is it? That would be uniformity. The Holy Spirit requires unity, which means we're all one in Christ. We have the same heart. We have the same Holy Ghost. We have the same purpose. We have the same mission, which is the advance, the kingdom of God on this earth. Ephesians 4.3, I don't think I have this slide up there, Adam. So, Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. So one of my favorite scriptures is, a, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Um, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So how do we have uni unity in the Spirit? It's peace. What's one of the keys to the kingdom? Peace. Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We each have a special work. Nobody should try to duplicate me and I should not try to duplicate any of you. You all have a unique purpose. So don't ever compare yourself to what somebody else is doing because soon as you do that you get into condemnation shame because we all have a special work and guess what your work might be what it says next it helps the other parts grow our friends that went to hawaii their part is in hawaii but you know watching them go to hawaii and walk by faith it caused me to grow and I didn't even go. I've stayed in Tulsa. And I've asked to go someplace. He keeps saying, stay in Tulsa. Um, but on that, if somebody's not growing, do we cast them out? No. We what? We support them. We want them to grow. Because if there's a sick part of the body, now, in the medical world, they cut it off. Which is just not, we can't do that in the human, like, and really, most of the time when they cut a part out in the medical world, it doesn't help the process in the long run because they took out something that's needed. Just a little medical side note. They used to say the appendix had no function, so they took out when there ever was a problem. Well, they found out when you remove the appendix, guess what happens? Increased chance of colorectal cancer. Same thing with tonsils, different things. They, they, don't, they don't know the purpose of it, so they say, we can remove it. But did God ever put something in there that just happens to be left over from evolution? Let's think about it. Every part, even though if we don't understand somebody's part, it has a purpose. And every person has a part. And so if the part's sick, we don't just cut off part of the body of Christ. We don't isolate them. What do we do? We bring them in. We support them. We carry them. We love them. We cheer for them in any way that we can. And I mentioned it last week. It's something, but there is... A such a small, small time in the gospel or in the New Testament where somebody was put out because they were in habitual sin. If somebody's offended, if somebody's hurt, they're not to be put out. They're to be helped. Find out 
and help them heal in the process. We don't cast them out because every part, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If we cast somebody out, it hurts the whole body. Just like that gentleman, Paul cast him out. Once he had repented, he brought him in because Paul knew the whole body has to be healthy. And if we're missing a member because we cast him out or isolated him, you know what happens? We can't be as healthy as we need to be. And then 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathizing with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted, and keep a humble attitude. One of the keys to unity is what? Humility. It's humility. It's a humble attitude before God and before people. Because if you lose humility, you start getting a pride and you become a know-it-all. And I've been there. I've been a know-it-all and I would fight to make sure I was right. I would fight to make sure my thoughts, everybody had to agree with me because I was the one that had to be right. But a humble attitude doesn't. It allows people to speak. It allows people to learn. Just in general conversation, a humble attitude is always going to learn something new. We went to Brahms last night, and I had two notes of things that just stood out. Like It was a conversation at Brahms, and I'm like, wow, these are nuggets that I can actually go and study. So every encounter, if you have a humble attitude, you'll learn something new by the revelation of the Holy Ghost. And then here's another quote by author Andrew Dickinson. It's uh, from the book, Charity to Creed, Uniformity, Unity, Uniformity, Facts and Traditions, Ethics to Dogma. The great curse of theology and eschatologyism has always been their tendency to sacrifice large interests to small. How many of us here have found a fault with somebody on something small, and that's what we picked on? We didn't realize. We agree on 95% of stuff. But what do we do? We focus on the five, and that causes hurt, causes offense, and we forget. We agree on 95% of things. 90%, whatever it is. But what happens? We sacrifice large interest to the small. There was something, I don't remember, we were just talking about, maybe it was with you, Joel, today. It's like, that doesn't necessarily dictate, yeah, it was you, we were talking about something out in the garage. That, that little doctrine doesn't dictate salvation. It doesn't invent, uh, dictate the advancement of the kingdom. But there's so many people that if you don't believe their point on that specific doctrine, I can't remember what we were talking about. They cash you out. Oh, uh, inclusionism. Like, and he, he went over the definition of inclusionism versus universalism. And I'm like, wow, I've never heard it explained that way. But it was just so cool. But I'm like, how many people love the Lord and we hear certain terms and we say, well, well I can't associate with them. But what about the 95% of stuff you agree on? And how many times do we not even go to understand where that person's coming from. We don't even go listen to what they're saying because there's many times when I actually go, hold on, I'm not understanding where you're coming from. Can you tell me what you mean by that term? Then I get the meaning of what they're saying and I'm like, wow, I don't disagree with you. We're on the same page. Now that you defined the term you're using, you know, because if I say gay, what do people think of? Don't even say it. But the Bible's version of gay, and what used to be in the dictionary, is happy. 
If I say in this generation, gay, people don't think happy. If I mention the rainbow, man, the rainbow is a great godly thing. Most people are like, no, it's not. But what is it? If I define what I'm saying, we would be in unity that God said the rainbow is a good thing, that it'll be a sign to us that it'll never flood the earth. And gay is just a term for happy. If we define them, you guys are like, yep, I'm in unity on what you say. But if I just use them terms blanketly and not define them, what happens? You'll be like, no, nah, I can't be in unity on you on them. Does that make sense? So understanding definitions is huge to understanding unity. So the alienation, this is a quote from another article. The alienation and anger between various sects of Christianity should be an embarrassment to every Christian. Jesus prayed for the unity of his church, John 17. For the most part, our theological disagreements are but a smokescreen. The real problem between us are about egos, power, control, and failure to love and respect each other. Notice the words used in Ephesians 4.2. Humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Could these words be used to describe your attitude towards believers of a different group or faction? And like when you read that, could these words be used to describe your attitude towards I'm like, there's times. I'm like, no. I, I could have to, I can't sit here and say always is that my thought when somebody comes from a different side, maybe they're not Pentecostal, maybe they don't believe in speaking in tongues, but they still love Jesus. You know, there's like when I got saved in 2008, I got saved in a small church, and I was talking to him, and we were we met right next to the Catholic church, and he goes, "There's people that are saved in my church going to heaven. There's people that go to the Catholic church and are saved going to heaven." He's like, "It's not about." So it was one of those things. Early on, I was taught, like just because they go to a different building doesn't mean they're not part of the body of Christ. And just because the denomination, as a general rule, might think one way, there can be people in there that think about kingdom, think about salvation, and teach it. And I had to, we've lived a lot of places. We were counting it up last night, I think. Was it last night or two nights ago, Bryce? Like, how many places? Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. We, I, I've lived in quite a few states, different locations. And, you know, when I was Catholic, I was going to different Catholic churches. And not every Catholic church was the same. They, the one ran by the monks was the coolest. The Franciscan monks ran this one. It was the coolest Catholic church I went to. But they were, though they were all called a Catholic church, they operated all a little bit different. And so with that, would I have the words uh, be described as humble, gentle, peaceful, or patient, and bearing one another when I look at other fractions? Would that be how people would define me? How, would that be how people would divide, define you? So that is my, what the Lord showed me on that. And it's something I've known. It's one of those, this is just a, I'm going to share like a pet peeve of Jason's. Uh, I've never, I've been to multiple mega churches from Virginia to out here, just as we were growing up in the faith. And the one, I, I've never been able to put, I love X church. I just, it was one of those things for me, I couldn't do it. Like, it's like, it's about, I, I knew something in me from the beginning. It was about the unity of the body of the Christ. It wasn't about my special church. It was about the unity. So that was just, this is a Jason Pest peeve. This is not scripture. This is just to illustrate. 
That's something I didn't do. But you know, the church that had 5,000 people, a ton of them did it. And it, that wasn't something that we split doctrine on. But there are some people would be completely mad about that. So that was just something for me. I just, for me, had that internal thing. I want to be able to be unified with anybody else, even if they're not the church I currently attend. Because that's kingdom. All of us working together on that. Do you have anything to add on that search? I'm going to say that there's culture and community. That's huge. Every part of the body has a unique culture. You know, in the natural body, it does. Like your mouth floor has a different thing, like bacterial makeup by design than what your stomach does. And even in the body of the Christ, every community that gathers to Vince Kingdom will have a different culture. And that's all right. That's all right. That's what makes us unique, but that's what makes us diversified, and that's what makes us strong. That's what makes us strong. And there's little pet doctrines that, you know, and one of those is end times. We, we, we could go around. There's so many different views on end times where everybody is. And you know what? How you believe in end times doesn't dictate if you're going to heaven or not. It might dictate how you live life, but it's not going to dictate if you get to heaven or not. And so there's other little doctrines about can I eat this food or can I not? You know, if, you know like Serge mentioned, there's people that believe that we need to fully go back to the Jewish culture. That's going to get us the best. So we, we can't eat certain foods based off that. But then I think it was Paul said, what goes in... The person is not what defiles them, it's what comes out of them. So, and it's one of those things that, but people split on what should be eaten as believers and different things like that. So that's a good point. It's about Jesus, salvation, and the kingdom. It's simple. And I kind of shared it before, and I guess I'll wrap up with this thought. I've, I Sometimes I'll intentionally have conversations with people that disagree with me. Because it stretches me. It makes me go outside of my box. And I'd like to say none of us have our, a box that we personal, But we all kind of find our comfortability in what certain things are a certain way. And so when we get stretched, you know, it's a good thing. You know, so don't be afraid to talk to other people and be like, hey, why, why would you think that way? It's all right to ask questions. And even we talked about it. It's all right to ask God questions. Like, it's all right to say, God, I don't understand this. How could this be? Uh, like, uh, to me, I feel like we cannot be in unity because of X, Y, or Z doctrine. And ask him. He'll show you where to find unity if it can be found. Because he's all about unity. He's all about restoration. He's all about the body coming together to advance the kingdom. Insecurity creates division and it's an enemy of unity because someone questions what I say. That's not that big a deal unless you have insecurities about it. You're not secure in who you are and who you are in Christ. So if someone challenges your beliefs, you're like, you get bent out of shape about it. You just want to cut them off. Well, at one point I told Sir, insecurities are rooted in pride. And he's like, huh? So we talked about it. I can say insecurities are rooted in pride because it is about me being right. 
Why am I insecure? Why am I, why do I have a problem if somebody questions me? Unless it's about, it, it becomes personal. Yeah. When everything's personal, it's about me, I get insecure. And it, there, it's rooted in pride because it's about me surviving. It's about me looking good. Why am I insecure? Because I want to look good. It's about Jason looking good. So that's why I can say insecurities are rooted in pride because insecurities are rooted in how are people looking at me? What are people saying? What, how do I have to perform to look right? The top-down hierarchy of system, which is a business model, it's about uniformity. But in that, stub your big toe and realize how, much, how important that big toe is. You know, and there's another scripture that says the parts that are more, basically the parts that are important are covered. But we think, man, it's all about the certain things, but the honorable, I can't remember the exact quote of it, but just because it's not seen, it's still important. And we always think that in the world of church, like, the person up here is the most important. No, that has nothing to do with it. That's what's led to some of the issues in the church is that top down, like, everybody has to run, jump, do exactly as I say, not as the Holy Ghost says. Because what is the job of the fivefold ministry? It's not to become uniform like me. It's to have unity with the Holy Ghost and point people to the Holy Ghost because it's not about Jason. It's not about Serge. It's not about anybody. It's not about anybody leading worship. It's about pointing people to the Holy Ghost and Jesus. Every part plays a role and is needed. And that's, it doesn't matter if they're from the youngest to the oldest. Without every person doing their part, there is not true kingdom. Every person is needed. And so it doesn't matter your title position. Every part of the body is as important as the other. Nobody, like Tessa was saying, nobody is more important than the other. Just because you're the heart, if you don't have a vessel, it doesn't matter if you have a heart pumping. You have to have, it doesn't matter. You can have just the heart. You take it out of the body. It's not important. It has to be part of the union of the body of Christ. And that's where the value is. Every part is important.